Hi, I'm Matt Waller, Dean of the Sam M. Walton College of Business. Welcome to Be Epic, the podcast where we explore excellence, professionalism, innovation, and collegiality, and what those values mean in business, education, and your life today. I have with me today Simone Pinekofer, Assistant Professor of Supply Chain Management at Michigan State University. She received her PhD in Supply Chain Management from the Walton College of Business at the University of Arkansas almost four years ago, May of 2016. I know you are from Germany. Yeah. You have a bachelor's degree from the Technical University of Munich. You have a bachelor's degree from Colorado State, and you have a master's degree in business from Colorado State. Of course, your research is squarely in line with things I'm very interested in as a researcher. Just to give the listeners an example of some of the things that Simona has worked on, she's looked at how uh, price promotions uh, affect consumers' responses to online stockouts. She's done work on the impact of limited inventory availability and disclosing that online and and seeing how consumers uh, respond to online stockouts in those situations. Simone, sometimes you're shopping in a store and you're looking for something and they're out of it. And an associate could say to you, we can order it online for you. That sounds like an interesting topic and I'm I understand that you're doing some research on that. Yes, I'm working on a couple of projects that actually looks at this notion that you just described of saving the sale. So retailers lately especially recognize how much money or revenue they actually can generate if they empower employees in terms of saving the sale. And yeah, so it was kind of interesting because I started working with a a colleague from a different university who had a connection to a national retailer and we proposed different types of projects because it's not only saving the sale but the whole omni-channel environment is still something retailers are struggling with and we proposed three different topics to them that we would be interested in cooperating with them and they picked saving the sale because for them it was like one of their top priorities and that retailer, they just, um, in a couple of stores, they had rolled out a format where you actually have kiosks. So if you can find a product in the store, you as a customer, you can go to the kiosk and actually a, look it up online that it's available, or you can look at a larger assortment that's in store. If you look at Target, they are giving their sales associates now Um, devices, handheld devices, and that allows the sales associates to be proactive. So when customers are searching for an item, it's not available, they can approach them and offer them to have it ordered online. So this is like the whole notion that I got interested in over the last couple of years, because I looked at, like you said, consumer responses to stockouts, but it goes beyond that in terms of, well, how can you turn those negative feelings of customers into positive feelings and providing the best service that you can as a retailer to your customer. You know, this whole notion of saving the sale, you can have the, the retailer can offer, for example, oh yeah, we can order it online and then we ship it to your house. 
Some retailers might ask you to pay for shipping, which we know consumers don't like to pay for shipping. Um, some say, hey, we can order it online and we ship it for free to the store so you can come back in a couple of days and pick it up. So we have looked into this notion of whether consumers or end customers prefer to have it shipped to the house or shipped to the store and in what kind of time frame. So yeah, we looked at these two attributes of the delivery location, whether it's delivered then to the store, the consumer's home, or the delivery time, whether it was. I think we had like a two-day shipping versus a longer period of time. And while customers that were shopping just for themselves, like a laser shopping, they really wanted you know, fast shipping and the most convenient delivery location, which was the home for them, to kind of restore that the satisfaction that they experienced initially after the stockout, when customers were, you know, shopping for a birthday gift for their spouse, it actually had a substitution effect. So you could provide them with fast shipping, but to the store, and it would be as valuable to kind of recover from that stockout as saying, well, we ship it to your home, but you have to wait a little bit longer, whatever that comes in. So, you know, one thing that this makes me think about a little bit is that this new approach, save the sale, reduces the cost of a stockout. So the optimal level of safety stock overall, other things being equal, should be lower in stores than it used to be because of these kinds of technologies. Is that correct? If you look at inventory policies, the cost of a stockout, A, it's very, very difficult to capture it in terms of a monetary value. So a lot of inventory models are actually fairly simplistic and just put you know, a price on it if you can guesstimate it or they ignore it because they just can't put that price on it because you have A, the short-term loss of sales. But then if a customer experiences stockouts over and over again, that person might not come back. So there's a lifetime value too. This is very difficult to assess. And I think that's something retailers have struggled with and that's we as researchers are struggling with in terms of, okay, how can we integrate that type of cost into our inventory models? Um, I think there's a lot of opportunity out there to kind of combine that and improve the inventory models. It's just, I'm not a modeler, so I, I can't solve the problem. But I think gaining these consumer insights, it helps retailers to develop their strategy around it. So it provides them with valuable insights in terms of generating supply chain strategy because if you look at a stockout from a retailer's perspective, the retailer has an inventory policy. They, they need to have, right? Because they're balancing their cost of holding the inventory and also ordering if we go back to the simple EOQ model. But for customers, a stockout is a severe service failure because the customer goes into the store wanting the product to be there on the shelf when they go there. That's their expectation. That's with what they walk in. So while the retailer might say, well, you know, we have our optimal inventory policy. If we order X amount of this product, we optimize and minimize our total cost. For them, that might be okay. But I think the retailers need to understand, and we see it in the popular press. They understand it, that 
the customers don't think that way when they go into a store. For them, it's like, I want a product and I want it now and I drove to the store and it's not there and I'm angry and I'm not going back. So in some ways, this technology has an effect of reducing the cost of a stock out in the store because there's another option. But on the other hand, it increases the cost of a stock out because a customer would think, well, I could have bought that online. You know, before that was an option, they didn't think that. They thought, well, this is the only option. I've got to go to the store. I could go to another store. But now, they, because they could have ordered it online, that makes it even more frustrating to some degree because they went to the effort to go to the store. Yeah, so I think that overall, the retailers need to have the necessarily visibility to the inventory, right? If you, if you have, if you're operating as a retailer, your store network, and in the same time you have an e-commerce presence, but you can see from your, your technology systems whether actually the inventory is available either at a different store in your online channel or even sitting in your distribution center, you really can save the sale in that point in time. So I think that having the technology and allowing that visibility in terms of where's my inventory actually positioned, it's like one of the key aspects. And I think if you don't have it, like exactly what you said is, okay, customers come in, yeah, they go online. Because you, can, you can't recover, right? If you don't have the visibility, you can't recover. But if they come in the store and you have the inventory visibility and it's out of stock and you offer them to check whether it's available somewhere else and order it online for them, you keep them within, within your retail network, right? For you, it doesn't matter whether that inventory is coming from a different store or the online channel. It's about satisfying the customer at that point in time and not losing that person. Since e-commerce has really grown, the idea of drop shipping has proliferated. And I think sometimes people mean different things by drop shipping. You could order from retailer A online and the supplier drop ships it directly to the customer. That's a possibility. Mm -hmm. But there's other ways drop shipping can occur as well. Would you, what is the correct view of what is meant by drop shipping? So the aspect of drop shipping that I'm working on um, is exactly what you described, where a product that is purchased from a retailer is in the end actually delivered straight from the manufacturer, the supplier, to the customer, to the customer's home, actually. Um, over the last couple of years, we as customers have become very comfortable about ordering online heavy and bulky items. So if you think about a retailer who has maybe limited backroom availability, they don't necessarily want to store you know, a lot of fridges or ovens. So let's take Home Depot or Lowe's, right? these companies that are selling especially heavy and bulky items. For them, it's a very... Um, I wouldn't call it easy, but a very convenient method to fulfill a consumer's or customer's request. And the good part is for the retailer, they don't even have to hold the inventory. So they're not at risk of holding the inventory, not in the end being able to sell it. So they're passing that on to the suppliers. So we see that in retail, it's becoming more and more popular. 
<laughs> I worked with a national appliance manufacturer because they were requested by their retail customers to suddenly do dropshipping, um, which again was more like a marketing team's fault in terms of, oh yeah, we can do it without going back first to check with the operations department whether that's actually something that they were able to do. So they had to learn the hard way in terms of developing the necessary capabilities to now ship individual products to consumers' home, but in the same time make it look like it's actually coming from their retail customer. Which I thought was really interesting that if, you, if a customer doesn't really understand retail supply chain, retail fulfillment, I mean, we as consumers, we don't know where the products are actually coming from. It just looks like it is coming from the retailer. But indeed, it's very likely that it's actually coming straight from the manufacturer and the supplier. And I think what was very interesting when I worked with that company is that they, over time, developed these capabilities to do it actually very good and become good at drop shipping. that they actually decided to open up a direct channel and sell their products directly to consumers. Which again then gets into the whole competition between product manufacturers and retailers. So I think that's something they still have to figure out how to, how to do that without um, damaging any relationships. Well, Simone, your research is very interesting and for a young researcher, you're, you have made a lot of progress in a short period of time. So congratulations. Thank you. Thanks for taking time to visit with me about this. Thank you, Matt. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Be Epic podcast from the Walton College. You can find us on Google, SoundCloud, iTunes, or look for us wherever you find your podcast. Be sure to subscribe and rate us. You can find current and past episodes by searching Be Epic Podcast, one word, that's B-E-E-P-I-C podcast, and now, be epic. Be epic.